This is an SBS radio podcast. Settlement Guide. Information, issues and stories about living in Australia. COVID-19 has made us more digitally connected than ever. Whether you're a newbie or a seasoned netizen, the internet can be a dangerous place if you don't know how to recognize the warning signs. Digital literacy is becoming an essential skill for us to stay connected with our family and friends during the coronavirus pandemic. Good Things Foundation is a charity that runs the Australian government-funded Be Connected program to help people aged over 55 develop online skills. The organisation's national director, Jess Wilson, says phishing scams, where people are asked to provide their personal and financial details in emails, texts or pop-ups, are extremely common. It'll be a whole lot of information that they're asking you to put in and it will either come in the form of click here through an email or it will be a phone number that you should call. And when you call that number, people will ask you for money. Our tips for people is really that any pop-ups that come up that ask you for money or to call the number are not real and that they shouldn't be giving any personal information to people over the phone that they don't know and they shouldn't be providing any kind of credit cards or information to people as well. Delia Rickard is the Deputy Chair of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission or the ACCC. She says the ACCC has recorded over $66 million of losses to scams this year. That's a 40% increase on last year. A lot of scams are only possible because people are at home, they're stressed, and it's the entire COVID-19 environment. We're online all the time. A common type of scam people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds are experiencing is the one-jury scam. It's a Japanese term that refers to one ring and cut, where you miss an overseas call that only rings once. Rickard explains. And if you call back, the scammer is going to try and keep you on the phone as long as they possibly can, because this is one of those calls that costs a lot, lot more than a regular phone call does. And the scammer can get money from the extra charges for that call. So the message with those Wangari scams is if you don't know the number, you don't know anyone in that country, just don't return it. Wilson says scammers also sometimes pose as government agencies offering refunds or asking for overdue payments. This is what's called phishing, a cybercrime which lures individuals to provide sensitive personal information. There has been scams around the tax office where people are saying you owe a whole lot of money to the tax office, you have to give this money back to the tax office and call this number. You need to make sure that at the end of any government information will have .gov.au at the end. And also government departments will not be sending you any information for you to click through on an email. They will always send you a letter. So you're not going to be approached by a government department through an email that you need to click on. Rickard explains that scammers are also banking on people's generosity through good causes where donations intended for charities never reach the intended recipient. For people of culturally or linguistically diverse backgrounds, even community contacts may not be trustworthy. It could be someone, if you're a member of a religious organisation or a chamber of commerce or any of those things where people gather together. And and I guess when we're all of the same background, it increases our trust, so we have our guard down more. Rickard says many people are caught in cryptocurrency investment frauds. According to the ACCC's ScamWatch statistics, 
investment scams were by far the most common type of scam, contributing to 41% of financial losses last year. They convince you that this is a really great deal and you should invest. And what tends to happen is people become a member of an online platform or they have all these fancy charts and people who call them all the time and they can watch their investment going up. And they think, well, I better check if this is real. So they ask to take a bit of money out and do manage to get the money when they take it out. So that convinces them that it really is real. So they then invest more money and they tell their family and friends about it who also invest money. And then two or three months down the line, the site disappears, they stop talking to you, they block you in chat group and you've lost all your money. You may have found love like no other in an online platform, but Rickard says dating and romance scams are one to be extremely wary of. Scamwatch statistics show that these scams comprise a third of reported financial losses this year, exceeding $17 million in lost value. They well try to strike up a conversation, strike up a friendship, be quick to profess their love, wait until they've got your trust and ask for money. And the golden rule there is if you've only ever met someone online, no matter what sort of terrific relationship is developing between them and no matter how good their excuses are, do not send them money. The Victoria-based Australian Filipino Community Services runs bilingual Be Connected digital literacy classes for around 70 of its senior clients. It is one of 150 ethnic community organisations providing bilingual Be Connected programs across Australia. Acting Managing Director Corina Dutlow says even tech-savvy seniors have been caught off guard by scammers on social media. In this climate of COVID-19, there's been Facebook hackings and messenger hackings. The senior client will receive a notification from a family friend saying, we're stuck, we're in crisis, we need money. And it seems very relatable and it seems realistic. And because it's coming from their family members' Facebook messenger and things like that, it's very convincing. Dutlow says the scam awareness training her clients received allowed them to better manage suspicious messages. If in doubt, don't act impulsively. A lot of the messages are, you need to act right now or there's going to be a serious consequence. And it pulls at people's anxiety and fear that they want to protect someone or help someone. We need to just take a moment, step back and just analyse what's happening and verify before making any transactions. While research by Good Things Foundation shows that 26% of over 65s never use the internet, Ricard says this age cohort is the most socially conscientious of all to report incidents of scams. Unfortunately, the fact that many seniors still own landlines make them vulnerable to exploitation. And older people are likely not just to have a landline still, but to pick it up and answer it because they've got more time, they're home during the day. Older people will often have a little bit of accumulated money. They'll have equity in their home, which makes them a lot more attractive to a scammer. That's what happened to Queensland retiree Connie, who gave her bank details to a stranger posing as a service provider. Thinking that she wasn't giving out much information, Connie agreed to make a small payment over the phone. But she soon realised something wasn't quite right after hanging up. I thought, no, that sounds a bit fishy to me. And that's when I just raced her to the bank. It turned out that $5,000, a much larger sum than Connie thought she was paying, had already been transferred out of her bank account. Luckily, Connie went to her bank straight after the conversation. Her fast response meant that the bank teller was able to cancel the payment just in time. And she said, once it goes off Australia, we can't get it back. 
Rickard says it's very rare that victims are able to retrieve their money unless they act very quickly. When it comes to online shopping, Rickard suggests only spending the amount you can afford to lose in case something goes wrong, as you won't be able to exercise your consumer guarantees if you shopped at a fake online store. However, if you paid with a credit card or via a secure payment mechanism like PayPal, you should let your bank or PayPal know as soon as you're aware there's a problem and it's possible that you may be able to get a charge back. It depends whether the so-called store and account is still around or they've closed it down and moved on to start another one. Rickard recommends doing your due diligence to check the warning signs before making a purchase. If the price is too good to be true, that should tip you off. If they ask you to pay by an unusual means, gift card, cryptocurrency, that should also tell you that it's a scam. See if it's one of those sites where people can go on and sell their goods. See if they've been there for a long. See if it's a new site. Take a copy of the wording of the ad and put it into Google because often you'll find scammers are lazy. They use the same words over and over again. And often you'll find that others who have been scammed have gone online to tell others. To learn about the latest online scams in your language or report a scam, visit the ACCC's Scam Watch website. You can also go to the Consumer Affairs Victoria website for more information. You can learn digital literacy and online safety skills on beconnected.esafety.gov.au in the following languages Arabic, Greek, Italian, Simplified Chinese, Traditional Chinese, Macedonian, Spanish and Vietnamese. If you've had your identity stolen, you can contact ID Care on 1-800-595-160 weekdays from 8am to 5pm during Australian Eastern Standard Time or visit their website at idcare.org for support and advice. The feature on consumer rights and internet scams was prepared by Amy Chen Yu Wong and for SBS, I'm Margarita Vasileva. This was an SBS radio podcast. For more Settlement Guide stories, visit sbs.com.au slash radio.